This morning, what I want to be talking about is to give to the Lord his glory and his worship. And a lot of people I hear around the world today are saying, you know, everything is in praise and worship. There's more than just praise and worship, right? It's not all in that. It really is important. I want to emphasize that. But it's not the whole package, if you like. Obedience plays a really, really big part in it all, and I'll unpack that later on in the message, and also the, uh, the, the whole area of the weapons of our warfare, and will we use them, and how do we use them, and do we use them effectively according to the Word of God, or do we just use them because, well, we're in trouble, and I'm going to fix this thing up. There's a whole lot of underlying things that God wants us to function in to make sure that we're functioning in the way that he wants us to function as his sons and as, as his daughters. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are so amazing. And Father, that your love is just so unbelievably fantastic. Lord, that you gave your only son. Lord, as fathers, we think about this and we just, it just blows our minds. Lord, that you was willing to do that for the benefit of the people on earth. Lord, that didn't know you. Some even hated you when you gave your only begotten son. But he laid everything aside and all he wanted to do while he walked on the earth was the Father's will. And Lord, we just, we just are so grateful. And this morning as we open your word, open our hearts, open our minds, open our understanding, Lord, that we would understand and that we would profit from your word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the tabernacle of David I'm going to be talking about very briefly and what that means and what the foundation of that is for us today praising and worshipping God. But let me read from Psalm 29, 1 to 4. Give to the Lord, you mighty ones, and that's talking about us. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And when we do that, look what starts to happen. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. This morning, as, as, as Liz and the musicians and the singers were practicing the song that I'm a child of God, I, I just said again, isn't it just amazing that we are a child of God? It's, I don't know about you, and I think every time that should bring us to a place of thankfulness and a place of tears almost. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing to be obedient, that's what the scripture says, you shall eat the good of the land. So we can't just push obedience aside and say, well, I'm just going to sing praises to God and all the other stuff doesn't matter. It does matter. It really does. So the area of scripture that God has quickened and made alive in the church in the last days has to do with the restoration of the tabernacle of David. 
The tabernacle of David is a very little known subject. Many today have never even heard of the tabernacle of David. The reason may be that God has in a measure reserved the understanding for the New Testament church in these last days, but it's of vital importance because in the process there's a destroying of the evil works and the plans of Satan through the tools of praise and worshipping the Lord, exalted and the great and mighty name of the captain of our army, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's something that happens in that process. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. This is some of the foundational stuff that I'm going to be talking about in why we praise and worship and why we sing glory and honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Praise and worship is one of the weapons that we use to pull down strongholds. But it goes on to say a few other things that we really need to be mindful of. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Most people stop there, but the next verse really needs to be included. And being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. So we can't start, you know, really binding things and doing all kinds of things if our obedience hasn't been fulfilled. So that needs to be part of the whole deal. And the scripture is very clear on that. So there is much in the Old Testament that the Bible has reference to, the tabernacle of David teaching, but sufficient history for today is from the prophecy of the word of the Lord that came through Amos chapter 9 verse 11. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. And that was before the temple, the the second temple was built. He was saying that for then and also futuristically for the New Testament church. The tabernacle of David that has fallen down and repair its damages, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it in the days of old. What did he want to restore? He wanted to restore praise and worship. That had fallen down. When the tabernacle of David, and there was a lot of time there, it had fallen down and there was no longer any praise and worship, and the prophets prophesied it's going to come back. Going to the New Testament, in Acts 15, verse 15 to 18, the apostles and the elders met in Jerusalem, uh, in the Jerusalem church, and they discussed matters openly. This is a record of the meeting where James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, settled the issue by opening up the prophecy found in Abos 9, 11, and 12. And with these words, the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild the ruins, I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. That's us, by the way. You know, so we need to understand God and his grace and his mercy first came to the nation of Israel. Israel was the olive tree, and some of those branches were cut off, and we were grafted into the olive tree. We can't do any bragging. We were grafted in. We need to be thankful for the nation of Israel. 
Let's, let's get this right. The nation of Israel in the old King James Version is called the church in the wilderness. So that was the beginning of things. And then it goes on to say, says the Lord who does all these things known to God from eternity are all his works. So a little bit of, for your understanding, the tabernacle of Moses was the way that people approached God in the time of the nation of Israel. To them, it was absolutely real in every aspect. We look back to what type and what type and what God was yet to do in Christ. Since the lamb that has been slain, God is no longer interested in animal sacrifices or blood sacrifices because Jesus offered the perfect lamb of God and perfect blood of God to God. So a lot of people are saying, you know that the temple is going to be rebuilt in Israel. If they ever do that and slaughter animal sacrifices, that will be the greatest abomination that has ever happened to the lamb of God that was slain, the perfect lamb of God. I really want to make that clear because a lot of people say, oh yeah, that's going to happen. They're already breeding red heifers and they're all doing... It's an abomination to God. The perfect son was slain on the cross of Calvary for all of us. There is no other way. You can't go back to the old things. That's gone. It's forgotten. It's past. So God is no longer interested in this form of worship, for the way has been opened for spiritual sacrifices. And we find that in Hebrews 13, 15 to 17, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That means we praise him even when everything is going wrong. Especially when everything is going wrong to praise him. Why? Because he's listening to you. Have you made an idol of the problem that you're currently going through or is he still God in the midst of the difficulty? And really... He still is God in the midst of the difficulty. So giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. That's talking about the leadership of churches. As those who must give account, did you hear that? Every leader in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have to give account for all the people that have ever been under their authority. And you say they've done it wrong. Well, I tell you what, if they've done it wrong, they're going to have to give account to God. And people think, oh, well, nothing's happening. It will happen. Because the word of God declares it, it will happen. They will give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. The word obey or obedient in Webster's Dictionary, just this is the meaning, to comply, to submit, to submit to authority. That's, that's what it means in the Webster's Dictionary. In the Strong's, from the Old Testament, 8085, the word is shama, to hear intelligently with attention and obedience. That's, that's just what the word obey means. And in the New Testament, it means to submit to authority. Really simple. So Abraham and Isaac, obedience, they really saw that. Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read Genesis chapter 22. Every time I read this, I, 
find it very difficult to totally understand without tearing up when I think of offering a son. Abraham was being tested in all this. Chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. You know, you'd be telling the devil to get out of your patch, wouldn't you, if you heard something like that? God, that can't, that, that can't possibly be you. You, you. You're talking about my son. Talking about my son. But the, the next verse is the one that always gets me. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to these young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go, will go yonder and worship. Obedience is worship. That's what he was doing. And that's what I'm trying to point out. Obedience is worship. And then he says, and we will come back to you. What a statement of faith. We will come back to you. Even though God has said, I want you to offer him up, and he makes the statement of faith, he says, we are going to come back. Psalm 66, 1 and 2 says, The Lord says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Too often we don't really take a lot of notice of the word. We cherry pick the Bible and we pick out all the things that we like and we say, oh yeah, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that. And then the other things like obedience, oh, come on, what do you mean? Aren't they suggestions? No, they're not suggestions. They are commands. They really are. And I'm saying that with all the love that I can muster because it's such a, a subject that people are so contrary Against, They say, oh, come on, don't give me all that stuff. You're being legalistic. Now, if you listen to the words of Jesus, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, that's, that's real love. Real love is doing this stuff, not saying, oh, well, I'll do what I like and I'll just sing and that, that will fix it all up. No, that won't fix it all up. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, obedience is better than sacrifice. God speaks to us and we say, no, no, I've got other things in plan. I want to do this, this and this. And later on, I might think about this. In the case of King Saul, God told him to kill all the sheep and the cattle and everything. And he brings back all the good sheep and the good cattle. And he says, I just kept them for you as a sacrifice. 
And God's not impressed at all. He said, you didn't do what I asked you to do. In John 4, 13 to 26, explains the fact that we can worship God anywhere now, anywhere. There is not a certain place like a mountain or that or, or a sacrifice of both spiritual and physical expressions of praise and worship along with to do good and to share. This is one of the things that Jesus did. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. But he went about doing good. And this is something that we can do too. We can go about doing good. Look for something good that you might be able to do. I'm looking for stuff all the time, and half the time I'm disappointed because people are not responding the way I'd like them to because then I could help and do good. The tabernacle of Moses offers a type study of God's work in Christ and the church, but between the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon, God ordained the tabernacle of David. This structure only remained for about 35 to 40 years. That's all, very short period of time. But it's foundational for our praise and worship today. Everything comes from that area. You know, they had... uh, uh, 24 teams of musicians and singers. Liz, how would you like it? 288 they had. Every hour they had 12 new ones. So they had praise constantly going up before the throne of God. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's something I'd like to see today. And there is a church in the States where they actually do that 24 hours a day. It's very different from any other structure in the Old Testament because of James' interpretation of this structure in the New Testament. We can assume that it was that period of time, or the glimpse that we get, that God planned to do something in the church because not only does he prophesy in the Old Testament, the same is again spoken of in the New Testament. This subject, if you really want to do it really, you know, do it well, it'll take you about six months to study it. I'm endeavouring to give you a very basic and limited understanding of why and how we are to obey the Lord and live by his word because we love him, right? It's not because we have to. And I emphasise that again and again and again. It's a love relationship that we have with God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son. It's a love relationship. It's not legalistic It's a love relationship, and we're able to do that because he's poured love into our hearts. In order to give honor and glory to God through lavish, verbalized offerings of love for him from our hearts and our willingness to obey the Holy Spirit through a lifestyle of bountiful praise and worship. Just just do it. Don't wait for a Sunday. Do it during the week. Do it when you're driving the car. Just, just do it. You know the old song that as the praise goes up, the blessings come down. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. There really is. So the tabernacle of David is a picture of the church. The church is founded upon the once and for all sacrifice of the Lamb of God. There's nothing else. It's Jesus, the Lamb of God. That's what, and after his resurrection, that's what established the church. And then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, of course. 
So from the birth of the church and then on, we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God in Christ Jesus. In the church, all believers are priests unto God. Just nudge your neighbor and say, I'm a priest, did you know that? Come on. We really are. You are a priest unto God. You really are. The Bible makes that very clear. We offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God in Christ Jesus. So in that whole area, God's presence comes amongst us. And when we respond to his presence with praise and worship, which is pleasing to God, we are able to enter the presence because Jesus opened the way by his sacrificial blood and that the veil was rent from top to bottom. Did you know that in the tabernacle of Moses for a period of time, there was a veil into the Holy of Holies, but there was no, ta- there was no ark? The ark was in the tabernacle of David. So they're going through all the stuff, through all the sacrifices with no ark. And that's where the presence of God dwelt between the cherubim and the blood-stained mercy seat of Christ. So here they're going through all the ritual. There's no, there's no ark. It's in the tabernacle of David. And in the tabernacle of David, there's joyful praise and worship continually going up before God. So they're just worshiping something that's not even alive. And we can do that if our whole being isn't in it. What, you know, we should be so grateful for what Jesus Christ has done. Because it's just amazing to what he's done. So besides the sacrifices of praise and joy coming forth from the fruit of our lips, we obey the Lord in offering the sacrifices of our physical being as well that he is pleased with because they are commanded in his word for us to obey. obey. As these things are set down as a pattern for worship for believers in the New Testament church times, these following verses about worship in the tabernacle of David, and we're not going to read through all that. I read these scriptures uh, once, twice, three, four times just to really grab hold of it all again and It's just amazing what's there. Just amazing. But they are of particular significance in the light of what God is doing in these days to establish and rebuild the tabernacle of David. The Psalms, for the most part, were birthed in the tabernacle of David. Interesting, isn't it? And they are descriptive of the worship present there. Christ taught in the New Testament church that he'd fulfill in his church all that was written in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning him. God promised to restore the tabernacle of David, not the tabernacle of Moses. We have abundant evidence that the New Testament church used the Psalms in worship more than anything else. Which brings me to a point, and just as a suggestion, 
Maybe we should sing, sing psalms more often than what we do. Why do I say that? Well, listen to what it says in Ephesians 5, 18, 19. Speaking to yourselves, you're talking to yourselves. A lot of people say, first sign of madness. No, not in God it ain't. Isn't. <laughs> psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So that's what you're doing. It's a little bit what David did. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Here's the spirit man of David saying to the soul man of David, it's time to bless the Lord. He's given himself a command. You need to do this. In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Can you imagine I go out to Robin and say, Hey, Robin, have you had a good day today? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, we think this is all weird, but at the time it wasn't weird and maybe it shouldn't be weird to us. Uh, I'd like to have a better voice, you know, like, I can sing, but I've got a rough passage out, you know, so... Forgive me for that. But if you look at it all, you say, okay, we need to be doing this. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Should we be singing spiritual songs? Most definitely. But most spiritual songs are born in a time of praise and worship and spontaneously the song comes out and quite often, people start to sing it all over the world, what came spontaneously in the time of praise and worship because the anointing of God was so strong in the place, that's what started to come out. Rather than, okay, how can I make a song successful? Forgive me for saying these things. If I put that in, if I put that in, if I put that in, it's going to be a goer. I'm being facetious now, but... If I look at scripture again, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and I'm not saying that a lot of the songs that we sing today aren't born in the spirit. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is there's many songs that have been written for success and they haven't been born in the spirit. So God commands us to praise him. 1 Peter 2, 9, Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Psalm 67, 3. If we never had another word in Scripture regarding praise, this would be sufficient reason to praise him. I want to turn to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen generation. Awesome words. Awesome words. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I, I, I read that and I, wow. Wow. A royal priesthood. 
holy nation. Praise and worship are ways of glorifying God. We all want to glorify God, and we all want God to be glorified, but God is glorified by the one who praises him. In other words, that actually does it. Psalm 50, 23. God is worthy to be praised. We all acknowledge that. We all verbalize that he's worthy to be praised. God has shown us abundant mercy and loving kindness to his people and given us precious promises. He is above all gods, therefore we will praise him. When I realized, just shortly after I got saved, that God saved me from certain destruction and hell, I became so grateful to God. And I have been grateful ever since. I'm not losing it. I'm grateful. Because... You know, some of the people said, well, you really need to be grateful. You was bad. And I, I used to get really annoyed about that. But in hindsight, yes, I was. Because if you wasn't serving God, you was bad. And you had a bad destiny awaiting you. So praise is the God-ordained way of entering into his presence. This is a scripture that was given to me as an 11-year-old boy. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise because, uh, and be thankful to him and bless his name. At the time that I got it, it didn't mean anything. After I got saved, I thought, that young lady had an insight into what my destiny was and she gave me that scripture at Sunday school. And I've still got the Bible in Dutch. And I've still, I've still got it all. It's just awesome. We have God's promises that he will meet with us and commune with us when we offer sacrifices of praise and worship him. Many wonder why they never hear from God. Sometimes maybe it's because they never put this principle into operation, obedience and praising him and doing this stuff putting everything in submission to his authority. As we give ourselves to holy being a worshipper of God, we remember that he wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth, and there's much joy in that. God does not want half-hearted efforts. He wants us to give our entire spirit, my heart, the core center of my being, spirit, soul, and body. And that's what Paul talks about in the pastoral letters. He said, I want to present you to the Father, whole, spirit, soul, and body. He's not interested. Of course, there was a lot of terrible heresies going around. You can do that with your body and as long as you don't do it with your spirit and really horrible stuff. John 17, 17, as we worship on the basis of the word, we will know the truth that is able to set us free. John 8, 32, it will set us free from all our customs, traditions that keep us from entering into true spiritual worship. Jesus said tradition of men nullify or cancels out the word of God. So let's not get into tradition. And also the benefits from the word of God. 
And these are some of the main biblical physical expressions of worship. You know, a lot of people have this difficulty doing this, raising hands. It's, it's biblical. Or they have difficulty doing that. It's biblical. Or they have difficulty dancing. Well, if you've got two left feet, it's always difficult to dance. And I've got two left feet, so for me it's difficult. I can jump around and be stupid, but yeah, let's leave it at that. Playing instruments, standing, bowing or kneeling, dancing, doing all those things. God wants our total being to be involved in our praise and worship unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can we all stand, please? Father, I pray that what we have heard this morning, we will search it out, take it to heart, and be willing to apply to our lives that which needs to be applied, be willing to cut off from our lives that which needs to be cut off, that we would be free in you. Because you are setting us free. Your word is setting us free. And as we do what you command us to do, Lord, we'll have your abiding presence, Lord, in such a way that we say, why didn't I do this before? But Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, that we don't try to do it by ourselves. Lord, that we don't try to say, well, what area am I not functioning in? but that we would ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you show me the areas that I need to be adjusted in? Whether it's to take on board or to get rid of. But Father, that in every area, Lord, we would become those people that would have such authority. Authority when they pray, authority when they bind and they break, demonic forces over their own lives or their own family, Father, or others that they are praying for. And Father, to see people set free because they have been obedient to everything that you have told them to be obedient to. Father, help us in all those areas, Lord. This is, this is a time of learning for each and every one. Our whole life is a life of learning. Father, may we not just put it off and put it off and say, well, later, later, later. Sometimes later never comes. Let us be the children you desire us to be. And let us be, Lord, the children that we desire our children to be. Obedient, well-mannered, doing all those things. Lord, that's our expectation of our children. And your expectation is holy without any bad motives or pure good motives. Let us remember that you love us and that you are working it out for good. You are working it out for good. Father, let that lesson stick in our hearts and in our minds. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.